Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It is the Robin Lundberg Show coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. All right. The NFL season kicks off in earnest tomorrow. You know, we had the opener, the Cowboys and, and the Buccaneers. Very good game. I've had a lot of discussion, some fun with Cowboys fans today about that. I, I think um, the optimism around the Cowboys being a little oversold considering everything went their way in that game and they didn't win, and, and you don't want to miss opportunities. On the flip side, they do have Dak Prescott back. Their wide receivers look good. I, I'm not saying they won't win the NFC East. I just don't see a, a loss the way that happened as cause for celebration. But it is cause for celebration that the NFL has returned. What are your thoughts on week one? Both the, the Bucks win over the Cowboys, 855-212-4227. Is Tom Brady bigger as a Buccaneer than he was even as a Patriot? Is he better than ever? Do Cowboys fans have a reason to be optimistic? 855-212-4227. And why should I believe in your team heading into this season? You can also tweet at me, at Robin Lundberg. That's R-O-B-I-N-L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G. But during the NFL season, at the top of the 9 o'clock Eastern hour of the show, I make my NFL picks, a tradition which will continue starting right now. Now, there's no set number on this. Uh, you know, it's varied a little bit. I used to do five a week, something then I would go six. And I remember last year I think I played catch-up a little bit because I, I, this is, I think this would be the fourth year I've done this segment. And I finished over 500 the first two seasons. And... I got into a hole last year, and I was trying to catch, get out of it. Where did Anthony? You don't have to recall where I finished last season. I believe it was under five hundred. It was, was under so five hundred. Yeah, you got off to a terrible start in September, and then you had a great October and November. So you rebounded. You got over five hundred, and then you kind of slid back down in the month of December. Okay, so I I knew. I didn't know what I was talking about at the beginning of the season. Then I learned, and then I forgot what I learned somehow. <laughs> the, mor- <laughs> the moral of that story. Um, but the, the previous two years, I had been over 500. I, I don't tell you to take my picks to the bank. I just really am doing this for fun. But I'm going to, since it's week one, I'm going to pick like seven games. Let's do a touchdown worth of games. And I will start with a team getting almost a touchdown worth of points. The Steelers plus six and a half over the Bills. This is not a diss of the Bills. I believe the Bills are just as good as everybody thinks they are. I think the Bills are one of the threats to win the Super Bowl. I believe Josh Allen is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL at this point in time. But I also just don't like giving the Steelers that many points. I mean, 
Remember how, how the Steelers started last season. Now, they didn't play a team as good as the Bills early in the year. But nevertheless, with all their problems, what, what, what was the record for the Steelers to start the year last year? It was ridiculous. Were they 11-0 and or something like that? And Mike Tomlin, his record as the coach, since he took over in Pittsburgh, 10 and 6, 12 and 4, 9 and 7, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 9 and 6, 8 and 8, 12 and 4. The guy has never had a losing season as the coach of the Steelers. He's had double digit win seasons 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 times out of 15 years. Over half the time, double digit win seasons. So it's just too many points for the Steelers. You know, I, I, I could see Ben Roethlisberger having a bit of a bounce back. Um, year, it's just a team that is generally prepared. I just maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they get blown out. I, I like the Steelers plus six and a half. On the other side of that, I will pick a blowout. 49ers minus eight and a half over the Lions. As antsy as I am to see Trey Lance get out there, I do believe in the rest of the 49ers roster. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is at least a steady. QB, and the Lions are garbage. And that, that latter part counts for a lot. I mean, I, I, I just don't know what could possibly be exciting about this Detroit Lions team led by Jared Goff. Dan Campbell, the coach, he's entertaining. He's a good soundbite. I don't want to write his, uh, you know, narrative or, or tabulate his results before they actually happen. But there wasn't much from what he said in the offseason that would inspire confidence. Just not the kind of coach that I, I tend to gravitate towards. The, you know, I'm going to bite your kneecap off kind of thing is is not really motivation for me. That's just not the way I'm wired. So I just think this is a, a talent mismatch. It's the reason that you see a spread as large as it is. The 49ers should be much healthier this season. I think they win this game uh, by a healthy margin. Minus eight and a half, San Francisco is the pick for me. I'll take the Eagles plus three and a half over the Falcons. You know, this is just basically it, it being based on the fact that I don't know if there's too much discernible difference between these two teams. I'm very interested to see how Jalen Hurts does at the helm in Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, the Atlanta Falcons don't inspire much confidence for me on the other side of things. That was a 4-12 and football team a year ago. I think, you know, some things change. Matt Ryan is is still steady enough at the position. But I don't, you know, see much difference between the Eagles and the Falcons. I know some of that is going to come down to where the game is being played. But I could see possibly there being even more upside from Philadelphia in that roster than from Atlanta. But basically, it's just two teams that should be near the bottom of their respective division. Maybe it's just that extra half a point that's suckering me in. But the Eagles plus three and a half over the Falcons. I'll take the Saints plus three and a half over the Packers. It's the same thing with the Steelers. You know, it's just, the Saints are too good a team too often for me to pass on the points, uh, especially when they're at home. We, we all know, you know, I know that's maybe that's a Drew Brees thing. I don't know if that will carry over into the new regime. But the Saints have been very, very good in their own building in, in recent history. And 
I don't see a big fall off for them this season. I, I, in fact, I think they might be better without Drew Brees. Drew Brees could not push the ball downfield. Um, he was just too old, too banged up. Jameis Winston has that ability. Sean Payton, I trust as a head coach to get the best out of out of this quarterback. I, I think the Packers are absolutely contenders, but I I think the Saints are contenders in the NFC as well. Um, so I will take New Orleans plus three and a half over Green Bay. I'll go with the Patriots minus three over the Dolphins. It's not the the same Patriots and Dolphins matchup. Uh, of the the past where I used to uh, jokingly refer to the AFC East as Patriots and Friends. That, of course, is no longer the case. The Bills are the favorite in that division. Miami had a good year last year. They should be in the running. But I do think New England will be much improved this year. They don't have all the opt-outs. And they have uh, Mac Jones in a quarterback who I was in very much impressed with in the the preseason. Count that for what you, you think it's actually worth. But Bill Belichick, with, with time to prepare, and really, if, you know, if, if, if Bill Belichick was ever going to be motivated to accomplish more, I mean, the guy's accomplished so much throughout his career, there's not much more you can add to it. But you have to think he's coming into this season with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, given what Tom Brady did in Tampa, given what Tom Brady is still doing. I will take the Patriots minus three over the Dolphins to get their season off to a good start for Mac Jones to win his debut. I'll take the Jets plus four over the Panthers. It's kind of like the Eagles and the um, Falcons for me where it's just I, I don't believe in the Panthers enough for I mean it's not like that's a huge spread or anything but I just don't see you know too much discernible difference between the, the, the Jets were very bad last year. I, I get that. Uh, they were two and 14 a, a season ago. Miserable. Awful. But the, the Panthers were garbage also. It's not like that was a good team. I don't buy Sam Darnold at all. I don't think Sam Darnold's any good. So it's not like the quarterback switch makes me feel better about Carolina. The Jets, they have a quarterback that at least intrigues me. I could see, you know, Zach Wilson coming out firing. Zach Wilson, you know, doing some stuff to excite that team, the team around him. And it's just I, I, I kind of am compelled to just pick against the Panthers giving up four points no matter who they're playing. So it's more that than the Jets. But as Anthony and I were discussing before, the Jets also have a degree of, it feels like, competency around them for the first time in a while. So I will I will uh, lead towards that being enough for them to, to at least keep it tight with a team like Carolina. And finally, I will take the Cardinals plus three over the Titans. Derrick Henry coming off a 2,000-yard season. The history says that players who have rushed for 2,000 yards, they don't do the same thing that the next season. It just takes a lot from them. Um, I, I'm into the, the idea of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray taking a step forward this year. They got off to a, a good start a year ago. Murray got a little banged up. Things didn't end the way they wanted it to. But I could see that team taking a step forward. They're going to have to to do everything they can in their non-division games because that division is a monster. I mean, that's got to be the best division in football. The Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the 49ers at, at this point. That, that, that's just stacked from top to bottom. So they're going to have to get fat on some of those non-division games, even if they're playing a playoff team in Tennessee. I'll take the Cardinals plus three over the Titans. So 
That's Steelers plus six and a half over the Bills. 49ers minus eight and a half over the Lions. Eagles plus three and a half over the Falcons. Saints plus three and a half over the Packers. Patriots minus three over the Dolphins. Jets plus four over the Panthers. And Cardinals plus three over the Titans. And those are my NFL picks for week one of the season. I either, you know, putting myself in position to get off to a really good or a really bad start. I, I guess no matter how many games you pick, it could finish the same way, right? Like, you get half of the right, half of the wrong. At least I picked an odd number of games. So I will either, well, I, I guess that's not the case too either because I could push on one of them and, and still split at 500. But those are the ones that stood out to me for week one of the NFL season. What stands out to you about this NFL season? 855 212 Four two two seven. That's eight five five two one two four two two seven. As the NFL season is set to get underway in full tomorrow, get my reaction to the the first game. I I still can't believe how good Tom Brady looked. It really is ridiculous. Whatever that guy's taken, I don't know what his clinic is giving him. I don't know what the TB twelve method actually has. I don't know what products he's actually taken. But whatever they are, they are good for you. Because that guy, it seems like he's just getting better. Not that he's declining. He's 44 years old. He's getting better. I mean, it's a change of scenery, renewed motivation. He's got that talent around him in Tampa that he didn't have around him at the end of New England. That's a difference when you could throw the ball to the the likes of, of Godwin and Evans and Antonio Brown and Gronk. The latter two in New England, I mean, in Tampa because of, of Tom Brady, obviously, Gronk was with him for the longest in New England. And Antonio Brown seems to be back, at least from a, a football standpoint. Like, And uh, one thing you could ever question about him is his ability on the field. They, you know, he looked great. Brady looked great, accurate, uh, healthy, sharp, all those things. He gets the ball out so quickly. And, you know, there's nothing you could do but, but give it up. But praise him at this point in time. There, and there's no there's no way to discredit his success, right? Like, there's no Belichick to use to say, oh, you know, is it Brady or Belichick, which was one of the, the things that people went to for the longest time. There's no um, system, you know, to say it's the, it's the system and it's not actually Brady. I mean, because the system is not purely what they were running in New England. I mean, it's... it's I think they, they did a good job about midway through. Tony Romo actually did a really nice job pointing that out on a broadcast and talk about being prescient. I forget what game it was. It might have been the game against Kansas. I think it was the game against the Chiefs last year. And Romo said something in the middle of that game about how he could see Bruce Arians, you know, compromising with Brady because Bruce Arians liked those deep dropbacks, those throws down the field. And that wasn't exactly Brady's game. And then they, they started to, to hybrid what Brady did in New England with, with what Arians likes to do. And Romo called that in the middle of the game and said, they're going to be okay. In fact, I think I could see these two teams. I'll see these two teams meeting in the Super Bowl coming up. And it's like, whoa. You know, like he called that one. So if, if you're a Jets fan, you got to be excited about him calling Zach Wilson like I referenced before. But, um, I, I mean, there's no reason for me to pick against Tampa. Or Kansas City, to be honest. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is as good as it gets. But I, I can't pick against Tampa. I mean, that Brady's too good. Skill position players are too good. They got everybody back. 
I wouldn't be shocked if Brady wins the MVP. Which would be crazy at this point in his career. We'll talk about everything NFL with Amy Trask. Nobody knows the NFL better than she does. That's coming up next, but you can weigh in as well. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Robin Lundberg on Twitter. It is the Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg Show. You know, um, if songs could talk that don't have words, that would just be saying football over and over again. And it's a pleasure to talk football whenever I can with the wonderful Amy Trask, CBS Sports NFL analyst. Amy, first, let me say thank you for joining. I know it's early. You're on the West Coast, so it's like 6 o'clock in the morning over there. And that's what we call it in California, 620. <laughs> that music is like coffee for you, though, I imagine, right? It, I was smiling ear to ear listening to it. And then when you referenced it as football music, I smiled even more broadly because we all hear that music and we know what's about to start. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't know how the Cali weather is, but you know the the weather here on the East Coast, it's it's that football weather. You know, even even uh, the weather tells you football. Just that little crispness that gets into the air. But before we look forward to th- this weekend's games, Amy, I want to look back on Thursday really quickly. One question each on on the the two teams that played. Let me start with Dallas because I've been having a fight with Cowboys fans this morning. I got no axe to grind. With the Cowboys, uh, I, I don't hate the Cowboys or anything like that. I just saw a lot of, like, beat-your-chest sort of optimism, which I didn't quite get. I, I get why there would be reason for some measured optimism. Dak Prescott's back. That's a, a huge difference than what they had last year. The receivers look good if C.D. Lamb can make some of those catches. They obviously are in a division that is very winnable. At the same time, it's hard for me to sort of celebrate when Almost everything went their way in that game, and they still lost. And, and, and you probably know as well as anybody, you know, the, the opportunities in the NFL, you kind of have to seize when you have them. Well, I agree with so much of what you said. First and foremost, let's look at the NFC East. Your point is well taken. That division is up for grabs. There is not one of those teams that, in my view, can't win the division. So if I'm with an NFC East team or I'm a fan of an NFC East team, I know the division title is a possibility, so I agree with you on that. Uh, As to everything going Dallas's way, that game was a phenomenal example of sometimes statistics just don't matter. Dallas outplayed Tampa in every crucial category that people care about, statistics. And that's why sometimes you just take statistics and you throw them out the door. They had more first downs. They had better third down efficiency. They had more total yards, more rushing yards, more passing yards, less penalty yards, greater time of possession, fewer turnovers, but they lost. And every game is going to count in trying to win that division. So I do agree with you. And it's really not mutually exclusive to say, I think they should be optimistic. I think they should believe the division title is within reach, but a loss is a loss is a loss. And when you're counting up wins and losses at the end of the season, that one may come back to haunt. Yeah, exactly how I feel about it. Now, on the the other side, I I don't know what else to say about Tom Brady, Amy, but it it would stand to reason that the guy would be in some form of decline at this point. I don't know if I've ever seen him look better than he looked on Thursday. I don't know what's in the TB12 stuff, but it's got to be good for you. 
Well, you know, it's funny that you don't know what to say with your reference, and you referenced his meal plan and his eating plan and what he consumes. Do you remember that scene in the movie where the lady in the diner looks at Meg Ryan's character and says, I'll have what she's having? Uh-huh. Because yeah. <laughs> what he is doing at his age is it's breathtaking. So I sort of look at him and I think, I'll have what he's having. And of course, I'm saying that facetiously, but um, whatever he's doing is working because he did look good. I Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously he's got talent around him and everything else, uh, but it, it, we've never seen that to, to this degree because it's, you know, I mean, here's, here's a, a point. Like if we look at one of the other big games when we start looking forward, the Saints and the, and the Packers. You know, Drew Brees is one of the guys who was his contemporary. He's gone from the league and they're now moving on to Jameis Winston. What do you think, Amy, of the notion that, you know, the, the saints could actually improve in a way only because no knock against breeze, but at the end there, he was just so banged up and, and I didn't think he could really throw the ball downfield. Now there are questions with Jameis Winston and decision-making, but between Sean Payton's uh, pedigree and Jameis Winston's ability to throw the ball downfield, I, I do think there's a chance things could open up for the Saints a bit. Well, they won the division last year, if I recall correctly, and I do have tremendous, tremendous faith in Sean Payton that he's going to do whatever he can to best position Jameis to be his best. They're going to have to watch turnovers. They're going to have to manage Jameis to make sure he does what he does best, and I think Sean will do exactly that. Robin Lundberg talking to Amy Trask, CBS Sports NFL analyst here on CBS Sports Radio. On the other side of that is the, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who was the the story of the the off season. How much do you think that bleeds into the season? Uh, you know, his status with the team going forward, his relationship being frayed a little bit, or do you think that 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 is all gone once uh, everything's kicked off and the and the Packers are being right back to where they they were a year ago, which was almost in the Super Bowl. Well, first of all, I would be remiss if in talking about Aaron Rodgers, I didn't give a shout out to our shared university, Cal Berkeley. And I would like to also note that in that division, there are two starting quarterbacks that went to Cal Berkeley. Now, my Berkeley love aside, I think that um, I think Aaron does a very good job of filtering out what needs to be filtered out. And, to, you know, he will focus on the games. He's even said as much and said, look, I'm going to focus on this year. And I think he will do that. It is very, very hard to have back-to-back years putting together what he did last year with another year like this. Um, but I think the world is his talent, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I do think he'll be able to shut out all of the noise of the offseason. Now, another marquee game, the, the Browns and the Chiefs. Obviously, a lot of people bullish on the Browns this year. The, the Chiefs have been a juggernaut. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is as good as we've seen. Obviously, the last time we saw them, though, was in the Super Bowl and was the most vulnerable he's looked, uh, maybe the most vulnerable they've looked because of, of the, the damage that they suffered along the offensive line. Is that a problem that plagues them going into this season, or did they address that sufficiently in your mind? Well, they certainly went out of their way to do all they could to address it. We'll see how that works. I think there's two interesting points about that. Did they add offensive linemen? Absolutely, positively, yes. Um, so that's an improvement. But Patrick said something very interesting as well. He said he needs to do a better job, take a different approach, 
when there are problems with the line. And what he noted was when they were having problems in the Super Bowl, when protection was breaking down, he can adjust his game to help in that regard. And I thought that was a very, very self-aware, smart comment. So do I think the line, do I think the organization went out of its way to improve the protection for Patrick? Yes, I do. Do I think Patrick is looking to be more aware when things start breaking down? Yes, I do. Um, Look, I'm excited about Cleveland. I think Cleveland is going to be fun to watch this year. But I will tell you, in my almost 30 years in the league, when we went on the road, there was no place harder from a home field advantage standpoint to play than Kansas City, in my mind. Kansas City fans are, that stadium is cacophonous. And so it's not mutually exclusive to say, I am excited about Cleveland, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, having to open in Kansas City is a tough call. And I think whenever you have a chance to use the word cacophonous, you you, you have to do so. It is a good word, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um, there are probably people looking it up at the at the moment involving well, you and producing you know, a, a harsh you know what you and I are doing we're doing our, our our language and vocabulary version of conjunction junction on a Saturday morning <laughs> what's your function uh, the, the the function of the rookie quarterbacks is to improve their teams one of them that's going to get the start is Mac Jones with New England obviously Cam Newton out the door he seemed a little um bit lacking in self-awareness in his recent comments to me but nevertheless that's has nothing to do with the, the Patriots going forward I was really impressed by Jones in the preseason how much do you think that's going to actually translate well I'm going to say two words that I think are going to help it translate as best it can Bill Belichick uh if I'm a rookie quarterback I can think of no one for whom I'd rather be playing so Um, Look, New England last year had more COVID opt-outs than any other team. They also lost quite a few important free agents. You know, in addition to COVID opt-outs, they lost them for other reasons. The team was just depleted of offensive weapons. So they've gone out of their way. They were very uncharacteristic of themselves this offseason in terms of the manner in which they added. And I think, you know, if I'm a rookie and I'm starting, I want Bill as my coach. Of all the rookie QBs, is there anyone that you are, you know, particularly, uh, you know, keeping your eye on or, or, or keen on? Um, no, I don't have my eye on anyone in particular. And, of course, how a rookie quarterback does is dependent on so many things uh, well beyond the rookie quarterback himself. It's dependent on coaching. Is the quarterback put in the best position to be his best? It depends on pass protection. It depends on the run game. The better a run game, the easier that rookie quarterback's job is going to be. So I don't think it's only the rookie quarterback that's going to make a difference in how he performs in year one. It's a lot of other factors. And then I guess it's obligatory. Uh, obviously, in the NFL, you never know. But uh, going into the week one in earnest, do you have a Super Bowl pick for me? I'll tell you who my Super Bowl pick will be. It will be the NFL. And I say that in all sincerity. Last year, the NFL, the league as a whole, did a magnificent job of, man- of navigating the pandemic. And they accomplished what few thought they could accomplish, which is an entire season through a Super Bowl. So you know what? the league has the same challenges again this year. We had hoped those challenges wouldn't exist or wouldn't exist to the extent they do, but they do. So if this season is played in full and there's a Super Bowl, the winner is the NFL. You know, I agree with you. The, you know, the NFL, for as popular as it is, sometimes it gets um, 
criticized to an extreme degree and, and doesn't get the credit. And, and that included last year where there was a lot of criticism about, about the way it was being handled. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> well, look, at, look at what's going on. And, and uh, it still made it to completion. And I say all the time, Amy, I think the NFL is the single most popular thing in this country. Well, you know, the, wonder, the wonderful thing about sports is it does have the power to unite. Now, we've seen some divisiveness over the last number of years, but let's all remember that sports is a moment that can unite us. And, you know, as to what the NFL did last year, uh, and by the way, I'm not talking about on-field rivalries. You have your team, I have my team. I'm talking about that moment as a whole when people are together in a stadium. Uh, but as to the NFL, I can't say enough as, as to what, as to how magnificent I think the league was last year. And there's a reason multiple governmental entities have reached out to the NFL and said, how'd you guys do this? Can you give us these best practices? Because the league did a better job than most anyone else navigating it. Well, we'll all be united in watching the NFL tomorrow, as I'm sure you will, of course. Amy, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining me and enjoy the games tomorrow. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show. Word, and that would be for anything you missed in the show thus far. But coming up right now, I'll get to everything I have not gotten to as of yet in another one. All right, Anthony, what's up first, man? So Charles Barkley, he joined Shaquille O'Neal on the big podcast with Shaq, and they are both fed up with Ben Simmons' work ethic. I'm disappointed in Ben Simmons. When you give somebody $200 million to dribble a stupid basketball, and the only thing you ask them is be better as a player, and their first response is, I don't want to play here anymore. That disappoints me as a player. Uh, It disappoints me as a fan. They're not saying, hey, come over here and cut my grass. They're saying, Ben, we need you to learn how to shoot the basketball. I have G14 classification to say what I'm about to say. And so does Charles Barkley. Ben Simmons, you're not that good. And then in this league, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? You're not great. But if you want to get to that next level, you have to be great. And to be great, you have to work on your game. So what do you make of their comments, Robin? I I don't think there's anything wrong with those comments, to be honest with you. Uh, Look, I I was uh, a pretty big believer in Ben Simmons' talent. And I'm disappointed in Ben Simmons as well that he's not taken a step uh, forward or gone beyond that. He's a good player, right? Like, Anybody who can defend the way he can defend, handle the ball the way he can handle the ball, pass the ball the way he can pass the ball, push the ball in transition, all that stuff, good player. But that's it. It stops at good. He's a good player, and he should be better than that. And I don't know, you know, I'm not around him every day to, to see what his work ethic is and to speak to his work ethic personally, but I know that his game has not evolved. And it's not just shooting. The shooting is a big issue. Right, the shooting is a big issue because he he's he's a self check, as you would say on the playground. He's self check. You don't even have to guard him; just leave him be because he he will not shoot the ball. He is not a threat to shoot the three ball at all whatsoever. A jump shot, self check, but he's not a threat beyond that either because he does not score the ball at any high level. He does not have a pet move. He doesn't even finish around the rim as well as he probably should. Heck, he turned down a dunk famously in the playoffs last year but even if he wasn't going to be a a a liked out jump shooter or even a respectable jump shooter where's the baby hook where's the turnaround fadeaway where's the you know the 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 move that that he can go to and feel comfortable getting to he 
he doesn't have that. And so there's just been no evolution in his game. There's been no addition to his game. There's been nothing to take it to another level. So, uh, you know, you have to point the, the finger at yourself when that's the case. And I don't want to see any more off-season workout videos where he hits a jump shot in a, in a wide-open gym. And maybe a change of scenery is what's best for him and, and everybody involved. And, and and maybe that takes some of the pressure off because he's no longer felt as the, the foundation. But more or less, um, you know, is, is a, a cog in the machine. But they're not wrong in their critique of, of Ben Simmons. And, and I'm past the point now in believing that all of a sudden this guy is going to become more than he is, which is a, a good but certainly, certainly not great player, uh, and, and at times a, a liability. What's next? Uh, this one goes out to our buddy Gary in Jacksonville, who called last hour all pumped up about his Miami Dolphins in 2021. But late Wednesday morning, the Dolphins announced their captains for this upcoming season. And noticeably, the starting quarterback was nowhere to be found in the social media message. So, Robin, is this a bad sign that Tua wasn't named a captain? I don't know if that's a bad sign. You know... There's always been a little bit of a, it seems, a lack of confidence or belief into it in Miami, which doesn't jive with where he was drafted or what he did at, at Alabama. So you would hope there would be a little bit more excitement around the guy. But I, I'm not going to go so far to say, you know, a, a lack of captaincy is a, a bad sign. He still is only in his second season. And remember last year, was not a normal season either. He was coming off from injury. He didn't get a full camp to get worked in. So I think this is the year where we will find out. that They put enough around on offense where he should be able to take advantage of that. And I think they have to make the decision on whether Tua is the quarterback going forward because that is much more important than whether he's a captain on this team. If he's the quarterback going forward, I would bet you a pretty good – pretty penny that he will be a captain next season but first he's got to prove he, he can play what's next so Trevor Bauer's leave was extended through the 2021 season meaning we will uh, not see Bauer again this year he will not pitch again so Bauer would have been eligible for the postseason due to being on paid administrative leave however reports have said that Dodgers teammates don't want Bauer back under any circumstance. So the Dodgers will probably take the offseason to try and get rid of Bauer. But will another team be ready to give him a chance? So, Robin, do you think Bauer will pitch in 2022? Uh, I'm not so sure he'll ever pitch in the majors again. Uh, forgetting 2022. Look, like with anything, I need all the information before... I render a full judgment on anything and the process needs to play itself out. But the allegations against Trevor Bauer are so disturbing and, and so serious that I think Major League Baseball is handling the the this the right way and pressing pause, right? Until all that dust is settled, until everything can be worked out, until we get a final resolution. And until that happens, and because this is, you know, anything that goes through the legal system, everything else can take time. Until that happens, I don't think you will see any team take a a, a chance on Trevor Bauer or give Trevor Bauer a chance or, or put him on the mound again. 
I, I think the only way that that happens is if he is cleared in some way uh, as close to definitively as that can be uh, of these allegations against him because not only are the allegations so serious that a team isn't going to want association, as you mentioned, you know, a teammate is probably not going to want association with Trevor Bauer. So I would not be surprised if he's pitched his last uh, Major League Baseball game. What's next? Uh, sticking with baseball, the MLB Hall of Fame held its induction ceremony on Wednesday afternoon. So maybe you want to comment on that MLB holding it on a Wednesday afternoon. That was kind of uh, peculiar. Uh, but during his speech, Derek Jeter called out the one writer who didn't vote for him. Thank you to the baseball writers, all but one of you who voted for me, Jeter said. So do you like the jab or should Jeter just enjoy the moment? I think all the greats sort of have that mindset, don't they? I mean, didn't Michael Jordan in his speech kind of famously, you know, list off the the things that, that were, you know, the doubters or the haters of him? I mean, that's not uncommon. So, of course, Derek Jeter would re- remember that, especially if it's like one. It's not like he's like, yeah, the five of you, you know, the, the one <laughs> that didn't vote. And by the way, it's ridiculous to not vote Derek Jeter for the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's ridiculous. Of course, he should be. In the Hall of Fame. As far as, you know, Jeter's career, like sometimes you'll hear people say he's overrated or whatnot. That's just some hate and stuff because he played on the Yankees and and had a lot of success. I mean, Derek Jeter was never the the biggest hitter or the best player necessarily, all that stuff. But how many people in the history of baseball have more hits than than Jeter? Was it five? (laughs) In the history of the sport. Uh, you know, when it comes to winning, when it comes to steady production, when it comes to being uh, reliable, I mean, Derek Jeter is up there with the, the best of his generation. And, and he's really, you know, he, he has no reason for anybody to suspect him of cheating in a generation of cheating as well. So D- Derek Jeter was a Hall of Famer in every sense of the word, and, and everyone should have voted for him for the Hall of Fame. And Pointing out that one writer is part of what made him a Hall of Famer, that competitive nature that that gets him, you know, uh, that drives that that thing that's going to put a chip on his shoulder. And, and that's another example of that. What's next? And finally, Teddy Ruxpin, the iconic 80s toy that used audio cassettes to simulate an interactive storytelling experience. He is set to appear in new film and TV projects following a deal that was reached between the property's owners and DJ2 Entertainment. So first, did you have a Teddy Ruxpin? And um, overall, what was your favorite toy as a kid? As a kid? Okay. Uh, Well, I don't recall. I, I mean, I remember Teddy Ruxpin. I don't recall if I had a Teddy Ruxpin per se. I had a pound puppy, and I had um, a gummy bear, an alf. Um <laughs> I had them. I don't. Rec- I may have had a Teddy Ruxman, but it didn't make its way into my heart to the point where I recall it. As far as my favorite toy, I mean, my favorite toys then are my favorite toys now, uh, action figures. I remember vividly being at the pool in my neighborhood when I learned that there were X-Men toys available at the toy store. And maybe my parents take me immediately. So those would be my favorite toys, my uh, action figures. And, and shout out to Diamond Select Toys, by the way. Um, they sent me 
the work I do with Sports Illustrated I, I, on video shoots, I have a um, Incredible Hulk number one eighty one behind me. It's the first appearance of Wolverine, and I had a, a Hulk and a Wolverine toy behind me. They saw that and they sent me some some cool statues instead. And the Wolverine statue they sent me is n- uh, number two of one thousand of that kind made. Um, so uh, give them a, a shout out because my favorite toys to this day are my favorite toys back when I was uh, a boy, and that is my Marvel and superhero action figures and the, 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 the same things my kids are playing with at the same time. You know, so that that is the answer. I also like you know the, the wrestling toys and the wrestling ring and, and animal toys and monsters and, and stuff like that, too. You can't go wrong. Any action figure was always my jam, and there's still a part of me that wishes I could play with action figures. I mean, who's stopping me? I guess no one's stopping me appreciate you guys stopping by and listening today (laughs) this has been the robin lundberg show andrew filipponi coming up next why why if you have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why Why? good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.